Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Lisa Smazarski, Editor-in-Chief of Stylist. And I'm Alex Walker, Editor-at-Large. And together, we are your brand new work wives. Consider us the background noise to your PowerPoint presentation. The support you might need to get through a working day. Or the distraction. Yep, definitely that. Welcome to Working From Home with Stylist. Coming up in today's episode, we're speaking to futurologist Catherine Bishop about what our offices may start to look like in a post-COVID world. Food writer and author of two cookbooks, Georgina Hayden, is sharing her outdoor meal ideas to make your outings far more exciting. We'll be looking at lockdown burnout in more detail on why so many of us are feeling frazzled right now. And comedian and host of The Guilty Feminist, Deborah Francis-White, will be telling us about her life working from home and why she's not sure she's ready to go back to the real world. I mean, I've always felt like I don't want to go back to the real world, but <laughs> never have I felt that more than I do right now. I think um, all the conversations that we're having at the moment about what the future of the office looks like, what the future of the commute looks like, it's quite terrifying, actually, isn't it? It makes me very anxious because it feels like there's so much change in the air. It does, but then in another weird way, I kind of find it exciting. You know, like I, you think about the office and already couple of months in it feels so outdated so mm. ridiculous um every part of it feels like it's really old-fashioned and actually to think that we're going to work possibly or very likely in a really different way offices will look completely different to how they are now I think there's something exciting in thinking that actually we're going to take a whole new look at what work looks like at what work life balance looks like um, and have really futuristic offices in my mind anyway. Mm, Well, the author Douglas Copeland has said that we will look back in the future at this period of how we worked at offices and realise it was as as archaic as sort of how we worked in Victorian times and this idea of sort of filing into an office at a certain time, crammed commuter trains, the sort of madness that has evolved around us without us thinking actually the world has changed, we could rethink offices so I guess that's what's happening now our world has changed we're rethinking about how we behave and how we work and I've been absolutely fascinated by some of the stories this week obviously Twitter which many people have mentioned um, have come out and said that all employees can work from home Barclays one of the heads of Barclays has said putting 7,000 people in a building may be a thing of the past Morgan Stanley think they'll have less real estate so there isn't doesn't really seem to be any office-based business 
that isn't affected by this. And one of the um, articles I read this week, which I was really interested in, was about Canary Wharf and how actually it wasn't just the idea of filing into an office, but it's how do you get people up to the top of a very tall building in a socially distanced world? Because the idea (laughs) of Canary Wharf, very slowly, exactly. They were like, you can't just put two people in at a time and send them up and wait for the next lift. You'd have thousands of people sort of congregating in the hallway. So everyone's having to think completely different about how they use spaces so I don't know if that means we're going to have tons of empty offices looking for a new way to be used or if we'll actually manage to solve those problems I think whenever there's a problem you do we do find ways to solve it and actually the Mm. solutions are the exciting things you know all the best businesses all come out of solutions to these new problems very true um so I I sort of yeah I feel excited to see what people will come up with I yeah but the idea I imagine now those big offices you know from what you read about it's very unlikely that we'll be in them Monday to Friday nine to five maybe we might go in for brainstorms might maybe we might go in for keeping in touch days and then manage to work from home the rest of the time Mm. actually I have to say that sounds really nice to me. And I think, but one of the really interesting things that will come out of that is that we don't necessarily need to live really close to our places of work anymore. Mm. Yeah, so, so true. I don't know about you, but I came to London from Leeds, as I'm sure you can tell, specifically for work. You know, I wanted to be where all the jobs are and I love London, but, you know, maybe it won't feel quite as appealing to be crammed into a city when I don't have to be at work at at nine o'clock every single day, maybe people will start to look at moving a little bit out of London and having the Mm. benefits of living, you know, in a greener space. Well, I think out of city life full stop, isn't it? You know, I think that idea of having to to move for work obviously won't go away. People will always move for their industry. But, you know, there's there's an area outside Cambridge, which is a new tech belt. You know, there's all sorts of places. Cotswolds has got some amazing tech businesses there so actually you'll see that the country is starting to evolve anyway it's interesting what you're saying about the commute because um i read a study well i read some quotes from professor andre spicer from city university's cas business school and he's been predicting a radical decrease in the amount of time people spend in the office but what was particularly fascinating about that is that his studies show that people who work from home are more productive and happier, especially without the commute, which is one of the main factors that make people unhappy. So I think it's interesting. The future basically has to find a way to support our mental health, support our flexibility, which we know flexible working and some versions of working from home do, while still keeping the magic of the office, learning from our peers, being able to shine to our managers. I think one of the downsides that I've read about is that people get needier and needier when they can't <laughs> see their managers very often. So they find ways to be more visible yeah. and to sort of, you know, pester people whether that's email or slack or zoom calls but actually that that fear of being invisible so how do you progress when you're not as visible in an office Um, and how do you learn you know the magic of being around people I have certainly learned just from sitting near brilliant people oh and I so think, much like, so much I don't have that at the moment you know you don't I, I keep wondering actually whether I should just put zoom on in the background I have been thinking about that just to have someone to like lean over and chat to in the middle yeah. of the day it's and actually point. it's our next million Alex let's create <laughs> the virtual office but yeah I think there's lots of ways that you you know the future has to find a way to keep some of the magic while still protecting our mental health and how we work a bit further ahead looking at the future I spoke 
spoke to Catherine Bishop from LSN Global, which is the Trends Intelligence Platform from the Future Laboratory, because I wanted to get a bit of a view on what the long-term future of the office looks like. We want to talk about the future of the office today, Catherine. Um, You've been doing lots of research into this area. What do you think the future looks like for the workplace and for how we work? Um, I think we will see, I mean, Twitter is really interesting. Those businesses that are very tech driven um, and have a workforce that by its very nature is very au fait with using technology, like they may find that there is no need for a physical workspace. I think what we might start to find is what we've kind of described as rotation offices start to emerge. So this could almost be a riff on what we've seen as co-working spaces. There's more of like a casual office space, maybe than having like one solid permanent office space that your company uses. So even these buildings kind of aren't pandemic proof anymore. They're not fit for purpose. So we're going to have architects really starting to rethink actually even the design of the office potentially going forward. There's also this need for greater flexibility. I think what we found is with people working from home, We've got very used to kind of having our own routines in a way, but we're still looking to our employers to kind of give us guidance here around what those routines need to be. Mm. I mean, that takes us into the lifestyle aspect because I think that's really interesting. Certainly things that uh, were in the ether before the pandemic hit have been, uh, you know, sort of sprung into the forefront of our minds and that flexible working was a really big part of that. What do you think the impact of either the new office spaces or how we're working will have on our work-life balance? How do you see that changing? So I think the idea of flexibility will absolutely underpin everything. COVID-19 has given a lot of women the opportunity to think about their own rhythm. It's raised the level of attention to our own personal health. It's reframed our working days. A lot of people are tapping into their circadian rhythms and realising, hey, I actually work really great between 6 and 9pm. So actually, I'm going to start my day later. And I think the, the employers themselves are going to have to start thinking about the greater flexibility that we're going to need in working days. Already at the Future Laboratory, we've implemented more flexible working that we only really have to be present for a core four hours of the day, but Mm. we can start at 8am if we want and finish at four, or we could start at 11 and finish later in the day if we wanted. And that's made a lot of people feel so much happier and more relaxed because they can work and and kind of mould their day as they need in a very flexible way and they feel empowered because of that as well. I think that's certainly true. And I'd heard about core hours from other businesses before and thought that was a very smart way of working. So I think that will be an interesting one for the future. Um, Obviously, with this adaptation of the office comes adaptation of our homes as we try and create space. And then for anyone living and working in a city, they probably don't have a huge amount of space and they're trying to multitask in small spaces. Um, How do you guys at the Future Laboratory think that our homes will adapt to this new world? From an initial point of view of of health and well-being, I think we'll start to see um, future homes be designed with fewer stories, lifts or lots of stairs. It's going to be a bit of a no-no going forward with gardens and spaces, you know, space allowing so that people can have that mental well-being that comes with the flexibility of the space. And the interiors will also need to be super responsive. Um, There's a great architect firm, Woods Baggett, and they've created something called their Adapt Interior, which is basically a kind of modular, reconfigurable interior design that allows you to actually make your home space bigger or smaller, depending on if, say, you're doing a workout or you know, teaching the kids something where you want a private office space that you just need to take to do a few calls. Or for example, if one of you gets sick, that you can almost form a a recuperation Mm. room. Um, 
in our pandemic proof properties report we speculated on this idea of a future that say by 2030 our homes will have isolation rooms for example um you know that we can actually have a whole space in our house that's maybe powered by a big pharma brand for example it's powered by what might well be kind of six or seven g uh, mobile technology by then so that we can recuperate very much at home we can take pressure off the nhs if we're still lucky enough to have the nhs if it hasn't been privatized on a brighter note when it comes to working i think again our homes will be all around being hyper personal they'll be focused on keeping as well um, if we envisage the future working room for example um this could have something like a soundproofed kind of micro glass wall in between that could allow two adults to work side by side, or if you're in a shared home, for example, that you can kind of share this space. There will be bespoke furnishings, um, again, designed to help you feel well. You know, standing will probably be encouraged, that whole kind of standing desk, standing mm. work thing. So I think we could anticipate this real kind of high-tech future, home of the future that will be very much designed for our, our working needs. It's hard to say if that's utopian or dystopian, but in this um, in this world, you are anticipating that we will have more times of lockdown then? Potentially, yeah. I think it would be naive of us to think that this will just be like a once, you know, in a century kind of experience. And it might not necessarily be a virus. Again, it could be issues with things like air pollution that's become very transparent over the last um, few months that even just having fewer people out and on the roads can make a huge difference to our, our urban quality of living and our, and our urban wellness. It's what we at the Future Lab have called this whole idea of uh, deceleration, um, conscious deceleration of us as humans actually realising that the whole kind of perpetuation of being always on just wasn't healthy for us and actually in a way covid's come along at quite an interesting time because as we've just hit a new decade the transformative 20s as we're going to call them um this whole idea of deceleration has just like hit us and we haven't really been given a choice i'm really hearing the same thing actually and how many people are celebrating the loss of busyness in the shorter term perhaps what do you think commuting looks like obviously we're being encouraged to walk or cycle as much as we can at the moment but the Reality is that's quite tricky for a lot of people in the distances they have to travel. The healthiest ways right now are definitely walking and cycling. We've seen bike sales jump massively, probably more for, for leisure purposes in the last few weeks. But I think in the months ahead, people who can cycle to work, great. And we have seen across Europe, again, like local authorities and cities widening the pavements, creating very like clear cycle lanes. But I think for public transport, um, I'm thinking here very much about Transport for London because I'm a Londoner, this is where I live. You know, right now they're offering free bus travel to people, but that can't be a long-term strategy because the company itself is needing assistance. If that's by September, you know, they're going to need funding, they're going to need government support. So there's going to, again, maybe have to be this way where things like technology apps, digital signage, allow people to understand how many people are currently on this bus or on this tube that I'm about to get on. My biggest worry personally is the idea of people reverting back to their cars um, and the potential pollution that that will bring as we've just made such great kind of work in the last few months. But we have seen some quite interesting future-facing speculative concepts. One of my favourites um, actually appeared just before the whole kind of COVID thing really took off here in the UK um, from design studio Seymour Powell and it's what they call their core to car concept. So it's, it, they were envisaging the future of ride sharing and what they called then the Uber pool problem was that, you know, with Uber pool, the whole idea of you would be to share your car with other people, but people you know, even months ago, we're feeling a little bit nervous about, you know, sharing it with strangers or having a degree of privacy. 
they envisaged with this quarter car concept, this future of an, an automated vehicle that had retractable partitions. So you almost created kind of four little capsules within the car. There's no driver because it's an automated vehicle. Um, so you could travel with all your mates if you wanted to, and it'd be quite a social space, or you could bring up these partitions mm. and actually split it out. So you could have your privacy, you could take a call, and you know, in amongst something like COVID, while we're in this inter-COVID period, these sorts of solutions could start coming to the fore. Um, on planes, we've seen a company, Avio Interiors, speculate on um, right now where you might have three seats, that the middle seat faces backwards, and there's almost this kind of shield that weaves amongst the seats um, so that you can each have your own kind of you know, breathing space and kind of private space. I mean, we've seen photographs this week already of people on planes with... Um, but with face visors, with masks, with gloves. Um, so people will themselves be traveling in a way that is allowing them to feel safe and hygienic. But some of these solutions are already being proposed and it will be really interesting to see what comes through there. Wow, there is just so much to take in there. I think part of it, you know, th this idea of a rotating office where businesses come in one day a week for face-to-face -face time and then spend the rest mm. of the week at home, they're kind of what I expected and what seems to make a lot of sense and actually is quite an appealing way to work in the future. Yeah. But then there's other things that freak me out a little bit. Oh, you're telling me. I mean, just a little bit. Some of that I was like terrified whilst chatting to her. I mean, the idea of the uh, the car with the little pods in sounds brilliant and really mm. meet the Jetsons. And oh, I'm like, yeah, I could get involved in that. But then on the flip side, the idea that actually our future and the things that are being built for the future are being built pandemic proofed almost yeah. that's quite freaky because it makes you think well people think this is going to happen again and again and again well i guess i guess scientists had warned actually that a pandemic was on the horizon and then actually people are looking at climate change and thinking about how you know heat might keep us in our home so obviously everything we do now is about you know making our home environment as practical and safe as possible and now we're going to throw work into the mix as well so that's going to be our office you know it puts a lot of pressure on a studio flat in the center <laughs> of a city <laughs> the studio flat with the uh, self-isolating pod yeah so that's a little freaky but then again you know there's other there's other positives to take out of it so the idea of the the big slowdown well that really appeals mm. because as we all know we have lived and worked at a million miles an hour and you know technology has just charged forward and it's been brilliant in millions of ways but then in other ways it's also meant that our lives have never switched off I think so and we've heard that a lot so many people that we've spoken to have talked about the unexpected joy of finding themselves or less to do and I think that's fairly critical for us to listen to for more futuristic insights, you can read more of Catherine's content at lsnglobal.com. And for more strategic insights, go to thefuturelaboratory.com. This week has been an absolute scorcher. Oh, so hot. Uh, <laughs> so hot. And whilst it's been painful for work, <laughs> sweating over the uh, Zoom calls all day long, it's been very lovely. I've been eating almost every single meal, including my breakfast uh, outside. So nice. Actually being able to sit outside and enjoy a cup of tea in the morning is one of my ultimate pleasures in life. I just think like it just makes my day. 
Well, as we're looking to do this a lot more, hopefully, over summer, weather gods um, approving, (laughs) um, I spoke to the very lovely Georgina Hayden. She is a food writer. She's written two excellent cookbooks and is a regular on Saturday Kitchen. I asked her to share her tips for inspiring outdoor eating. So hello, Georgie. Hello. So why don't you tell uh, our listeners a little bit about what they can and should be eating outdoors? That's one thing, you know, I, uh, whenever it's picnic time, I'm always like, oh God, I don't want a really sweaty sandwich. What is a lovely thing to be eating outdoors? I really like anything slightly Mediterranean feeling because that also feels in keeping with the weather. Mm-hmm. So things like lots of dips, breads, um, doesn't take masses of involvement. And, you know, if, if you're not, hugely into cooking you can buy them of course you can um but just feels like a treat you know making yourself a little tapas or you know in the park or um making your own hummus which is super easy to do things like tortillas spanish frittatas are fantastic for picnics and outdoor eating again depending what you put in them they have longevity if you're meeting friends in the park and you don't want to deal with things like cross-contamination and germs you slice them up, you portion them, everyone's got their own. You're not dealing with cutlery and Tupperware. That's something I try and do. I'm not like a theme queen, mm-hmm. but I, love I do a theme. when it comes well, when it comes to outdoor eating, I really like a theme. Yeah. I do. <laughs> I I like to have like a, you know, oh today we're gonna have, you know, we're gonna go Greek and go meze or whatever. Another thing I've been thinking a lot about is obviously there's lots of events that have been cancelled. Yeah. Um and one of them which I'm assuming it's been cancelled, is carnival, you know, and that's a lot of people on the go eating. And actually, that's a fantastic way of thinking about eating outside. So more in terms of barbecue, we've been doing a lot of jerk marinades, corn on the cobs. Again, stuff like that's fantastic because it's handheld. You don't have to worry too much about things like cutlery and plates and whatever. And actually, you know, a, a jerk chicken drumstick, fantastic the next day, even straight from the fridge. And again, that's all delicious cold, you know. Go to the picnic, take your cold. If you don't have far to go, a bit of a theme going on. I love that. Pretend you're having your own festival. It's true. It feels quite celebratory as well, which I think everybody's desperate for at the minute. A little bit of something to celebrate and, yeah, feel a bit joyful, joyfully outdoor eating, I think is what we're after. Absolutely. A really good tip in terms of storing your food, but also for something for you is when you are packing a picnic or you're eating outdoors, freeze your drinks. I mean, Mm. I know that seems like quite an obvious one, but if you know it, you know it. And if you don't, it's a revelation. Mm -hmm. Um, If you've got cartons of drinks, put them in the freezer, you know, take them out. They act as ice blocks for your food and keep everything cool whilst you're traveling or before you start eating. Um, And then you've got a slushy. I mean, genius. Alcoholic slushies are the thing at the minute, aren't they? Exactly. A frosé, a frozen rosé delicious and the the other thing i would say is the classic salad everyone loves a salad right you don't want your leafy salads in the heat and in a picnic scenario because it doesn't travel very well there's amazing potatoes around at the moment so i'm a big fan of a jersey royal something like that dressed delicious you know like some some fresh peas in there asparagus really delicious And then if you want a dairy element or protein element, just keep that separate. And actually, you can take it frozen. Like, I'll freeze blocks of feta. Oh, really? And just take... Yeah. And then, it's again, it acts like a cool block. And then, you know, if you're at a picnic for several hours, 
just crumble it and it'll just defrost. Huh, I would never, ever have known that. The other thing is I really love Asian flavours in the heat. That's my go-to always, actually. I'm 100% with you. Anything, especially now where there's a lack of restaurants and eating out and, you know, we're all cooking at home more. I just want spice. I want freshness. So a noodle salad mm. is a fantastic thing to take. And again, I sort of think those 80s retro salads that you get where they're sort of layered up. Yeah, you know, which ones I, I mean, do. You get in, you know, baby shell pasta, grated cheese, baby prawns, that kind of scenario. <laughs> but you could do that with, you know, you could do that in, in an Asian theme, you know, maybe a Vietnamese, you know, have rice noodles, lots of herbs, grated carrots, you don't, if you're worried about things like dairy or meat, and you know, they tend to be dairy free, just leave the meat out if you want to or add it later. Layer it all up in a big dish and then just dress it there and then. Take your dressing in a little jam jar. That to me would be my dream hot day outside eating scenario. Oh, now I have to say, I have never thought about freezing things like feta. Me either. Before. That is an incredible tip i my mum always swore by freezing milk and i always thought it was a bit weird when it came out but bit mix of like ice and cream i suppose needed a good shake but it obviously was a very practical very useful thing to do with milk so i did know that you could freeze your dairies but it just didn't occur to me that actually it would be a really smart way of keeping everything else cold never knew there you go. A big thank you to Georgina. Uh, you can follow her lovely Instagram account, which is full of gorgeous food and interiors, on Georgie Pudding and Pie. And her new cookbook, Taverna, Recipes from a Cypriot Kitchen, is out now. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. One of the things that we've been hearing a lot about through stylists from our audience is 
an increasing sense of burning out at home. And a recent survey by LinkedIn and the Mental Health Foundation found out that the average Brit work member who's working from home is putting in an extra 28 hours of overtime a month, according to a survey of 2,000 people. And more than half of those surveyed at 56% said that they felt more anxious and stressed about work than they did before the pandemic. And actually, we're not even including key workers and um, NHS workers and that who obviously are having the most stressful time of all of us but this is just the impact of our change routines our change in industry and trying to make everything work from a remote office it's shocking actually really Mm. shocking and and the thing is I guess you're expected to actually be having an easier time you're working you're not getting on the commute surely you're shirking a few hours and you're out in the in Mm. the garden in the afternoon but not at all you know my friend said her boyfriend is actually shutting taking her laptop off of her at 7 30 every night because she Mm. hasn't moved from her desk and I think a big part of that is that yeah of course you know systems might take a little bit longer when you're working from home it often takes longer to write an email than it does just Mm. tell a colleague sat next to you but also I think the biggest thing actually is that there's this real dialogue at the minute that you're really lucky to be working. So many Mm. people are furloughed. You're really lucky that you're still got a job. And actually what that is doing is just adding extra pressure onto people to feel like they're working to their optimum all the time. Mm. And I think it's, it's quite dangerous, actually. Yeah, I think so. It's interesting, as you were talking, I was thinking this plays into a couple of conversations that we've had throughout this series. One was about guilt, another about comparison culture, but actually the pressure that we put on ourselves in these situations and then feeling bad because we feel bad, but don't think we can vocalize that because people are in a worse situation. is certainly true of work burnout. And work burnout is a very um, specific thing, actually. And I'm sure lots of people will recognize these symptoms but the WHO, so the World Health Organization, classify burnout as an occupational phenomenon. So this isn't a medical condition. This isn't um, necessarily to do with other anxieties that you might have in your life or other mental health issues that you might suffer from. But it really is about how we burn out at work. And the things that you might be feeling would be um, increased um, energy depletion or absolute physical exhaustion. And a distancing from your job, a feeling that you don't care, that you're negative or feel cynical about it. And actually a reduced ability to be efficient and good at what you do because actually your your brain is just overwhelmed and it's all linked into how much cortisol we're producing how much worry our job is causing us and of course you know other things like how much time we're spending on screens that really affect some of those parts of our mind are having this you know very detrimental effect around work whilst we're in this strange position and it makes sense you know you how much harder it is right now to switch off from work when Mm. you don't leave the building you do not close your computer and leave the building and I you know that's a big thing but then also how many people are like I'm not going to bother taking a holiday right now what's the point you're not going anywhere um so people are taking holiday you're saving it and you know I talk to the team about this a lot because Actually, holiday is really important. Holiday doesn't have to mean going and lying on yeah. a beach in Greece, although that would be lovely. Um, holiday is actually just a mental break away from your work. Mm. Um, and even if that means that you're just having a holiday in your garden or your local park, it's so crucial, but it's something that people just are not doing. 
Well, I think people are so worried about their industries, aren't they? They're worried about their businesses and therefore they're putting in all the hours to make sure that, you know, where they work is doing as well as it possibly can. They want to add value. They want to be worthwhile. But I think, you know, there's so many issues when you start to look at what might be causing you to burn out, what might be giving you stress in this environment. Because as we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, we've taken away some stuff that's really stressful, like the commute like office politics that you know mm. the dynamic of the space that you're working in but then you look at the flip side and then there's all this new technology that we're using without any IT team on standby yeah. to help and support you and that could be your printer going wrong a zoom call crashing what are the most stressful like 10 minutes of my lockdown experience in a work environment it was with joe wicks i've just remembered for this actual podcast because there was a very <laughs> awkward bit at the beginning where my zoom just wouldn't load audio so we were just doing sign language at each other i didn't ah. have his phone number and i was like oh god i've got joe wicks in my bedroom on my screen just staring at me waiting for me and we're just shrugging at each other oh i was on deadline i had to do something that moment and not being able to get the technology to work with me was intensely um stressful i guess it's like you're so used to being professional and suddenly so much of our professionalism is taken true, away because, yeah. you know, we might have a child coming in the background and I find that really stressful because mm. my professional veneer is yeah. kind of taken away and no one else seems to mind, I hope not. And, you know, they're extra additional moments of stress for you. I mean, things just take longer as well, don't they? Everything just takes longer. So this is it. The idea that you can have a nice sort of five, ten minute break. I felt busy when I was at work in an office now I just feel like I I simply don't break I, I mean I find myself absolutely desperate to go to the loo and I'm like just one more meeting one more meeting I'll just get it done I'm gonna give I myself an injury by the myself. end of this <laughs> I think the thing that I'm really trying to remember is that actually this isn't flexible working this is working during a pandemic and it's quite mm. different this is working when your children are at home banging on the door because they're not at school. This is working when you can't go out in the morning to the gym and get the headspace that you need or you can't yeah. pop and get your lunch and maybe meet a, a friend who lives locally. You can't do any of those things. So actually you're working not just in with the reduced services around you that might provide you with a bit of respite. You're also working with the worry of your health and the worry of what the future of your industry and the economy is. So it's very, very different to how flexible working should and will hopefully look like in the future. So I think we need to remember that and really try and work out how we can make this period of working from home work for us. And I think for me, the first one is if anybody is feeling like they're burning out, they really should think about taking a holiday. I think you make such a valid point, Alex, and having having some perspective on that does help because I think there are some practical things that you can implement to help prevent burnout or to reduce burnout during this time. But the first one really is about reframing what is happening this isn't our whole lives. This isn't our future. We talked about the future at the beginning and that's a very sort of utopian, lovely place where our buildings and our homes and our office spaces are set up for a new way of working that is good for our mental health. That isn't now. This is just surviving. Um, so I think, you know, that number one thing about reframing, we're safe at home. We're just doing what we need to do to get through this period and actually implementing then some of the things we've been talking about throughout the series. So in episode one, we had the productivity ninja and he talks about putting barriers in. So you mentioned your friend's partner 
turning off their laptop. Well, actually, we've got to start doing that for ourselves, haven't we? Which is like, when am I working? When am I prepared to be contactable? And when do I come back online? You know, so putting some of those barriers in, I think, are really essential. You have a brilliant out of office on at the minute, which um, basically explains that due to the situation and childcare, you're working unorthodox hours, um, but you don't expect anybody to reply to your email that might be sent at 10 o'clock and you might not be able to reply to them at a normal time. And I copied that email myself because I think explaining to people um, that they can't expect the same of you right now, uh, that you're doing your best, but they can't expect you to function how you did before is actually really a good idea and people seem to respond to it they just want to know yeah well to be fair I copied that too <laughs> so as much as I'd like to say I was the originator of that I wasn't it was a, a brilliant guy called Chris Finn who works in our in our larger company DC Thompson but actually what I thought was good was that he made it explicit and that he communicated that to people because actually I have been very honest with my teams and also my managers about what I'm able to cope with at the moment with three children and trying to work in this environment Um, but maybe I wasn't explicit enough with the rest of the world and I think again I have no problem receiving that sort of bounce back from anyone else because then I know when I'm going to get a reply you know it's sort of just understanding the world so I think creating our own barriers is really essential as are things like taking the screen breaks we've talked about that so many times through this series but you know, whether that's good for our body or good for our mind, it's definitely good for us and moving around. Um, I, one thing I thought was also interesting as someone who, we've now mentioned this a few times, my uh, terrible tea addiction was about decreasing stimulants throughout your day. How many Diet Cokes are you mainlining out of interest at the moment? <laughs> Can I admit this? Can I? Oh, about Six to eight. It's really gone. It's wow. really gone bad. We're back to the bad place. We're back to the really bad place. It's like that stupid, I'm going to start exercise. Every Monday, other people talk about exercising. I talk about, I'm going to stop drinking Diet Coke. But for me, it's exactly that. It's a stimulant and it's bad and it's wrong. Yeah. But it's my pep up when I'm like, right, I've got to tackle this next bout of Zoom before I then go tackle this next yeah. bout of homeschooling before I come back and do this. And I do, I feel, I feel like I'm reliant on a chemical um, to do that for me at the minute. And that, that does suggest that I have got too much on. Well, I think it's partly about dependency on that and then partly about the anxiety that those, I'm not saying Diet Coke specifically, is anything with caffeine in or alcohol actually for that matter. They're all stimulants, they all elevate your heart rate. And as we know, an elevated heart rate and anxiety are not good bedfellows. So I think actually trying to find less stimulants throughout our day to get through it. I mean, we're both talking about working in the evenings and that really does strike me as probably not the healthiest way of working, even though we're just trying to adapt. So again, I think actually remembering the importance, I'm talking to you and me here, (laughs) remembering the importance of taking breaks. You know, we've talked about holiday, but actually evenings, evenings are really important part of balancing out our mental equilibrium, but also, you know, about having creative stimulus, true, about yeah. having something else in our lives as well. I think alongside that, trying to remember that if you are an employer or you're running a business or, you know, you coordinate a team, 
the empathy and kindness that we can give other members of our team through this time is really important as well because of course we're not all working in the same way so actually if we can be um, as flexible and as compatible with how people need to work then we can actually help reduce burnout in all of our team members as well so I think we can do a lot for ourselves but actually we can make work work for other people better too. If you're feeling burnout, there are lots of places that you can go for help. Of course, the NHS website has lots of support, as does mine.org. And do speak to your GP if you're feeling particularly stressed at this time. We've got lots more articles on stress and burnout on stylist.co.uk. Earlier this week, I had the pleasure to speak to the very smart and very funny Deborah Francis-White, who is the creator of the Guilty Feminist podcast, all about how she is handling life in lockdown and how she's working uh, in lockdown, which is actually very productively because she's launched um, an excellent new series called The New Normal, where she speaks to uh, various celebrities um, about their life in lockdown, asking the exact same 12 questions each time. I love that idea. I mean, it's it's very Deborah. Francis White. She is a super smart woman and I've had the pleasure of working with her a few times now at Stylist. Um, I've interviewed her a couple of times at Stylist Live and she is incredibly funny, incredibly well read. I mean, quite intimidating to be honest because, you know, there's nothing you can get past that woman. Um, But she also hosted our inaugural Remarkable Women Awards and um, did a fabulous job of it. So I'm very excited to find out what she's been doing. Here's what she had to say. Hello, Deborah Francis-White. How are you and how have you been finding lockdown? I'm going all right. I think I've got what I call lock home syndrome. Okay. Uh, which is, uh, it's like Stockholm syndrome, but for lock-in, where I'm like, I don't really want to go out there again. I was running around at a million miles a minute. This is quite a nice little nest here now. And of course, you know, I have to find ways to make money and mm-hmm. I have to, you know, so we can keep on paying our mortgage uh, and pay all our contributors for the guilty feminist mm-hmm. and human beings are programmed to find silver linings. That's what we do. We're coping machines. So nor can we in a time of trauma, uh, which it's what this is, because it's low level trauma for all of us, even if what we're doing is staying indoors, because we're not sure about the future. We're frightened about what's happening to our society. We, we're saddened by the deaths and the illnesses. We're saddened by the the other terrifying news that's going on at the moment. And and all we can do is sit inside. So of course, there is a a low level trauma going on for all of us and then a high level trauma for some people and human beings are coping machines that's what we do we adapt we cope we change we find what's good about the situation what can I make of this what can I do with this what's what we that's what we do and so that silver lining for me is a period of restoration and you know for my body and my mind and my soul and a quieting of the soul and nothing else would have stopped me nothing During this period, you've managed to launch an entirely new Instagram live TV series and accompanying podcast, The New Normal, where you interview people about their lockdown experiences. Tell me, how have you managed to find the time to fit that extra thing into your daily life? Because I just, I needed to talk about it. And I need to kind of create a space and a show for guilty feminists to think and talk about it. So I just came up with some questions about life and feminism in lockdown. And then booked in some friends of the podcast and Guilty Feminist regulars and said, come and tell us about your lockdown and how are we going to do feminism from in here? Because I think feminism is a demand for control. An act of feminism is always saying we want more control over our bodies or our legislation, our representation, the way we story, the way we 
we're seen in the world, uh, the, the way we, we can expect to be treated or the prejudices that are projected upon us and that kind of thing. And now we've lost control over basic things, like whether we can hug our mums or see our best mates or have a drink with someone. So the idea that we would be asking for more control at this time seems uh, like uh, it's ludicrous. It's like more control. We don't have any control right now. We've got barely any control. But actually, it's a great time to be asking for more control because the world is going to have to be recreated a bit. There's going to have to be new architecture. And women have been responsible for so little of the architecture of society because we were excluded at the time when it was decided how banking was run and law. the laws were uh, established. And we were literally kept out of the buildings where those decisions were made. And now we are going to have to reconsider how our world works for all sorts of reasons. Because now we've demonstrated that there are things that we were doing to the environment that are no longer happening now that we've stopped doing those things and perhaps we didn't need to do all of them. So are we going to regulate that going forward? Uh, you know, that kind of thing. Something I've really found that I've turned to during this period is humour. Um, it really has lightened what could have been some some pretty dark moments. Um, have you found you've turned to humour too in this period? I'll tell you what, my husband and I have never had, that sounds like the Queen, my husband and I, um, we have never had more in-jokes. We've never had more fun. We have made each other laugh a lot. And I have found that very restorative. Yeah. I think it's the most fun we've had in years because neither of us have been charging around and doing all of these other things. So we've only had each other and I thought we might at the beginning I was like I was really worried we we're going to argue a lot or something and we really haven't I'm really surprised by it and if you are arguing with your spouse a lot by the way anyone listening you are perfectly normal <laughs> this is not a comparative exercise there are all sorts of ways in which I've melted down in lockdown and all sorts of things so this is not but one of the things that surprised me is actually I mean we usually do get on well but we can be when we're both charging around a bit snappy with each other at times and we really haven't been we've I think we've both kind of thought we've only got each other be nice to this person mm. and we've we've had so much fun we've laughed so much but I will say I've also been nicer to Alexa <laughs> because normally you know when Alexa just interrupts your conversation <laughs> and you're just chatting and then she'll say I don't think I know that and you go what or you know, before I was, I just had a dance lesson with a dance teacher on Zoom, Alyssa Bravo, who's brilliant. Right. Um, and I said to, to Melissa at the end, I said, thanks for that. And then Alexa went, you're welcome. And I was like, you have <laughs> Back contributed off, Alexa. nothing, Alexa. <laughs> and it used to be when Alexa would interrupt, I'd go, I'd, I'd be quite cross with her. But now she's a key member of my social circle. <laughs> I mean, it really is only Tom, Alexa and the cats. I'm like, oh, no, Alexa, it's OK. I didn't mean you. Oh, thank you, though. And it's sort of like, so, you know, I'm being nice to everyone, let's be honest. Let's sure. Be honest. <laughs> Something we've heard a lot of during this period is how everybody's taking this time to learn, learn new skills, although I have to admit that's not been something I've managed to do. Have you managed to learn anything new during this period? There's a website called Superprof, which I discovered. It's French, and that's why it's called Superprof, like mm -hmm. professor. Um, but there's loads of English-speaking teachers on it. And loads of people's classes during lockdown are very, very reasonably priced because mm -hmm. it's on Zoom, so they don't have to leave their house. So mm -hmm. a lot of people are teaching you for an hour a private class for like 15, 20 quid. Mm -hmm. 
And discovering that and thinking, well, that's a way I can support teachers who, you know, artists who are at home. A lot of artists have lost their gigs singing and dancing and, you know, yoga and fitness and accent coaches. And I thought, well, that's a way I can support teachers, but also so I will learn something. And listen, I'll be honest with you. I started dancing because I thought it's the only kind of exercise I will continue to do because I find it fun. Mm -hmm. It's so much fun. I think people are, a lot of people are saying, oh, I've bought these sort of strange purchases in lockdown having I'm having a sort of response and occasionally you know if they've had money that they would normally spend down the pub or in Pret-a-Manger or going to the cinema that disposable income has gone on something sort of silly that they've thought why do I want this I don't really want a margarita maker I don't know what I've done this for can I recommend that instead of buying crap that's going into the environment and is eventually going to be landfill can I recommend you go on Superprof And you think, what would I really like to learn? And you don't have to be a great singer to to get great value from six singing lessons, which is going to open you up and change the way you breathe and change the way you hold yourself and change your posture and get you to feel your voice reverberating around your head. And you've then given that money to a teacher or a singer who may not be able to gig at the moment. You know, like I, I just think that's a really wonderful thing to do if you do have disposable income. And if you don't and you're going, oh, wish I had. Um, There are... There's a lot of free classes, a lot. There's a lot of free classes and there's a lot of YouTube tutorials and stuff like that. And there's there's other ways of accessing that. But also, can I say, if you've got disposable income because you're not going down the pub anymore or going to Pizza Express or whatever you did with that money each week, Amnesty International really need it. Choose Love really need it. Uh, Your local refuges need it desperately. Your local food banks need it. So rather than buying the sort of margarita mix machine that you're only going to use once and then think, what did I do this for? And it's clustered up my thing and I'm just going to take it down to a charity shop after lockdown. Rather than buying some crappy headdress to wear on a Zoom call that was made in a sweatshop that's going to end up in a landfill, can you rethink the power that that money could do right now in a refugee camp, in a food bank, serving your local community in some way, that is such a clever idea to be taking up singing and dancing classes because I think we've all got this sort of desire to spend money at the moment. So <laughs> buying bits and bobs for our houses or an outfit that you're only wearing lockdown. But I love this idea of supporting out of work creatives. I, truthfully, I don't think I'd ever take a singing class. Someone did buy one for me once and I was just... <laughs> did they? I, I didn't take it because... I was too terrified of being awful, which they saw as incredibly vain and ungrateful. Um, (laughs) But actually, I stand by it. I stand by it. Um, I did walk past someone's house. um, Well, it was a a flat above a shop the other day and I could hear this amazing singing coming out of it, which I think was probably a musical performer doing their rehearsals at home. It was me. It was you. It was you. I knew it was the voice of an angel. Uh, I thought so. It must be Alex Walker. No, but I was. It made me actually think about you know how people like that who do work in the stage and in performing arts are having to try and keep busy whilst they're at home. Um, so I think that's a fabulous idea. Yes, it was a really good idea. Although if my friends ever buy me a singing lesson, <laughs> I rest assured I shall not be doing it. Dance, however, I'm definitely into. I'm in. I'm in. You can listen to Deborah on her two podcasts, The Guilty Feminist and The New Normal, uh, which you can also see every evening at 6pm on her Instagram Live.
It's time to end with the big guns. Alex, what are you eating, drinking and doing this week? <laughs> doing? Not a huge amount. I am eating, though, as usual. This week, I have been experimenting with homemade pizza. How Yum. annoying does that sound? Yes, you are the smug woman that does <laughs> things like that. It's really easy, actually. I can't even claim it's um, particularly difficult. I have used the Jamie Oliver recipe, which is excellent and foolproof. And I have cooked it on a barbecue. Oh, I'd love to know how to, yeah, how do you do this? Because I've read that my barbecue can be turned into a pizza oven. So normal barbecue, you just need a stone, so a pizza stone. So obviously you get your barbecue really hot and then you just put the pizza on top of that and it puffs up. And I've gone very traditional, just a, a tomato and mozzarella and basil, but it's been lovely. Oh, you can't beat it. Alongside my pizza, my pizza, I have cracked open a few bottles of night timber. It's sparkling wine. It's an English wine and I love it so much. Um, it's quite expensive. It's around £30 a bottle. Oh, that yeah, is spenny. It is spenny. Look at you. Um, I got a few bottles for my birthday. Um, nice. So this week felt like the week to crack it out alongside my pizza and it's been lovely Mm. yeah and as I say I haven't done a huge amount but what I am planning to do uh, and this is courtesy of a recommendation of uh, our email editor Gemma Crisp who is always in the know on what to watch Uh, and she has recommended Hannah Gadsby's new comedy Mm. Uh, it's called Douglas and it dropped on Netflix this week apparently it's brilliant it's her second uh, comedy show and it's full of um, observations about the male ego, um, which I have many of as well, if you need any extra, (laughs) Hannah. (laughs) I have huge, huge thoughts on that, but apparently it's brilliant. So uh, I'm going to put that on my uh, weekend plan. How about you? Pizza fizz and comedy. I mean, nothing beats that really, does it? Yeah. Do you know what? I've actually got a couple of things on my list this week that I'm going to try. I haven't tried them yet, but um, there's a restaurant in central London that I go to quite a lot for work meetings called the Riding House Cafe and it's really nice it's quite famous um, around the Oxford Circus area of London definitely worth a try when it's back open but they've started to do a um, delivery takeaway menu so they've got some of their favourites from the menu and you can sort of cherry pick a few options and then you assemble them at home so I have booked myself one of those to try this week as a bit of a treat well actually for next weekend Um, and I've also ordered some white claw hard seltzer i don't know if you've seen this but it's a big cult um drink in america and it has finally released in the uk so i've seen it you know on various instagram accounts over the past year or two and finally we can try it for ourselves so i don't know what this is going to be like to be honest but they've got flavors like clementine and black cherry a little bit alcoholic five percent but actually it's a bit like you know when you're a kid you watch an american film and they have a nice milkshake and you just want to have some it's a bit like that i just want to try it Apparently, it's like alcoholic sparkling water. That's what I've been told. Yeah, I'm I'm in. You can have water and you can have alcohol. Why not combine the two? Sounds exciting. (laughs) Hydrates and and gets you drunk at the same time. (laughs) It's my kind of drink. Um, Finally, what I'm doing, so I'm really excited about this because one of my favourite illustrators, David Shrigley, has been working very, very hard in lockdown and has something like 300 illustrations already that he's produced. And they're going to do an online exhibition, which I just think is a fabulous idea. It's so nice to be able to... Uh, get some stimulation of going to a gallery but from your own home so that launches this week he actually illustrated a stylist cover many years ago and I'm a very big fan for more ideas on what to eat 
do or drink during lockdown, subscribe to our recommendations. Email stylistloves at stylist.co.uk forward slash emails. You can find all of today's recommendations in the show notes, in the podcast store and on our website stylist.co.uk. And don't forget, do leave your comments and suggestions of anything you'd like to hear more about in the podcast store too. And please don't forget to subscribe to this series to ensure you do not miss next week's episode when we'll be talking about the psychology of rule breaking. Are you a flouter or are you not? Oh my God, I'm so straight laced. I bore myself. (laughs) You can't have fun without rules. Anyway, more of that next time. Thank you so much for listening to Working From Home with Stylist. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.